Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to follow the link in the description after today's episode for more information about today's article and to claim CME credit. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Lydia, 38, is here for her annual visit. In the past years, she has had treatment for breast cancer, which involved a lumpectomy and radiation. She has had an excellent prognosis, but admits some anxiety about her intimate relationship with her husband. What can we help her with? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Interprofessional and Community Partnerships at the UMass Chan Medical School, Tan Chingfen Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Jill. Hi, Frank. So breast cancer is um, an uh, important issue for both me, you, for many of our faculty and our friends. It, it, attach, it touches us all personally, and this is a really interesting case. What do we know about young women in particular who've had a history of cancer and sexual dysfunction? Yes, this caught my eye because, as you said, Frank, cancer touches all of us in some way, shape, or form, personally, our friends, our family. This is uh, a study I saw. um, We're looking at women who are under the age of 40 with a cancer diagnosis, and um, it's not really well understood Uh, But some stats, globally, more than 500,000 women 40 and younger are diagnosed with a cancer annually. So it's a pretty large amount of people. And what this study did was looked, it compared sexual dysfunction in young women following a cancer diagnosis in relation to women without a cancer diagnosis in the same age group. This was done in Sweden. So it has an international flair, but we can apply it across the globe. And it was a population-based cross-sectional study. The women were one and a half years after being diagnosed with cancer. And the cancer diagnosis not only was breast cancer, it was gynecological cancers, lymphoma, and brain tumors, so pretty broad. And the women with cancer were compared to a group of women drawn from the same general population. And and what they did is they they looked at several domains. And what that included was... um, Basically, first defining sexual activity, and it's defined as sex with a partner and or solo sex, which is masturbation. And sexually, sexual activity and function were assessed with um, valid and reliable surveys. And what they looked at for the domains was satisfaction with sex life, interest in sexual activity, vaginal lubrication, vaginal discomfort, vulvar discomfort, labial and vulvar discomfort, and then they asked about orgasm. And they also looked at um, screening questions for sexual activity and reasons why they may not be having sex with a partner. And what they did is they, they looked at the, all the domains were completed by individuals who had been sexually active the past 30 days. But if you hadn't been active in the past 30 days, they looked at the domain of interest in sexual activity. So they did that with all all participants. And um, basically what they found is that the majority women in both arms of the study, those with cancer and those without, about 83% of women in the cancer group 
were reported having sex in the last month compared to 87% of the women without cancer. So that was pretty close. But more than, and this is the thing, more than 60% of the women with cancer, all diagnoses, reported sexual dysfunction in at least one of the measured domains. And the women with cancer reported statistically significantly more problems than women of the comparison group across the domains as decreased interest in having sex and some vaginal involver discomfort. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty startling. And I think we, we, we now have a great data to show that we need to um, go there with patients and discuss things. What recommendations can we make regarding sexual dysfunction? As a primary care provider, asking is important. Of course, we always want to, you know, worry about our our patients and what they come in and ask us and what's on their mind. But I think, you know, talking about sex and a sexual history can kind of be an uncomfortable question and answer period and providers need to be comfortable with it. So basically asking and normalizing a sexual history and being aware that this age group of women with a cancer diagnosis may be having some trouble and that it's common. And that we know from this study that, you know, I told you it was one and a half years since the diagnosis, but what they also found is that it goes on long beyond that time, you know, beyond their, you know, as they're, you know, through all of their treatment and they're in their survivorship, um, you know, and we know especially women with surgical menopause are, are at risk. So let's talk about specifically, what should we ask her and what can we offer Lydia has said a couple things. You know, she's talked about anxiety. So we want to know, explore what that is. You know, what what's making her anxious? What does she feel is contributing to it? And what's changed? You know, is it is it the cancer diagnosis? Is it what she's been through? And is it with her husband, partner? You know, what what is different? And you may have to help her and let her know that you as a provider understand that that people, women with cancer in her age group, it can affect sexual dysfunction. And is she having any specific symptoms, like what we talked about, any discomfort, um, you know, a decrease in interest? Is she, how does she feel about her body? You know, there is some body dysmorphia that goes on at times. And is her husband or partner supportive? And what was it like before? What's changed? You know, you know, where does she want to go? What is missing? And what does she want to get back to? No, I, I think sometimes I, uh, it's surprising. I take care of a physician and her significant other, and they don't feel comfortable talking about it. One of the things I do is I say, look, this is this some, I, I talk about things. I ask you about constipation and, and stomach pain. Um, I want to talk a little bit about sexual function and it's okay to be embarrassed because I'm embarrassed too, but I want to make sure you're living okay. Tell me about things. So, so let's say she talks about things. What, what are the options we can, what, what are some specific interventions we can suggest? Well, if she's having any difficulty, you know, if she's got vaginal dryness or anything like that, we can talk about using lubricants. We can talk about vaginal moisturizers, anything to make her more comfortable there. Um, you know, women with hormone-positive breast cancer may be considered for low-dose vaginal estrogen after thoroughly reviewing the risks and benefits. And that would be, I would, I would confer with 
her oncology team. And, um, you know, this isn't Lydia's case, but most young women with cervical and also ovarian cancer who have received treatment that has triggered an early menopause should go on hormone replacement therapy or low-dose estrogen until the age of natural menopause. But the other thing is, you know, what does Lydia want here? You know, we got to know, we got to know her symptoms and, you know, we may be able to refer her to counseling. This could be couples therapy. Um, you may be uncovering things that, you know, might've been brought to light from what she's gone through in the last year. It makes really people reflect and think about where they're at in their life. And so, um, always we want to talk about, you know, Frank, what we know is really important, sleep, right? What What's her lifestyle like? Is she eating, sleeping, exercising? Is she managing her stress? Anything changed at work? How are their kids if they have kids? All of this, you know, goes into, you know, a li- your life and sometimes it feels unbalanced. So knowing how she feels and, you know, and even listening to the patients, it can be very, very comforting to them to know that they've gotten this out and that you are there and partnering with them to decide how you can best help. You know, uh, I couldn't have said it better. We need to treat the whole person, um, treat her physical symptoms or emotional symptoms, offer support in, in, in a variety of manners. And, and, you know, I really appreciate, I learned a great deal from you doing this paper because I thought, gee, even vaginal estrogen I don't know if you can give that to hormone uh, hormone positive breast cancer, and sure enough, you can because of its local effect. I agree with you. Talk to your oncologist. But Jill, this is such an important paper. I really appreciate you discussing it today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. You should ask and they will tell. Young women with a cancer diagnosis should be asked about their sexual function throughout diagnosis, treatment, and beyond. Join us next time when we talk about the dangers of insufficient dairy intake on the risk of seniors with regards to falls and fractures. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out primed.com for additional CME content.